Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I have great faith in the ability of people to be stupid. Yeah. That's the only thing you can count on. So, hi folks. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now, which we discuss the stupidity of the next generation of soon to be doomed survivors in the Walking Dead universe. As we look at this episode of The Walking Dead, and this episode is called Out of the Ashes. Tony's on a train. It's not called Ponies on a Train. train. It's called Out of the Ashes. There is no train in this episode. There are no ponies in this episode. Dustin is just messing with you, as is his want. Yes, in this episode... Everybody had a pony picnic, and it was (laughs) wonderful. Well, if you people out there in the universe haven't seen this episode and are exclusively getting your episode synopses from us and just not watching the show, well, you're doing it right, for one thing. (laughs) but i know there aren't very many of you (laughs) well folks i am timothy harvey and i'm dustin i'm curtis and in this episode we bounce around all over the place there's like four different storylines going on in here this is gonna be a tough one when i saw him flashing from from uh group to group i was like oh shit um, three it's lot, not that hard. Rides. It's not that hard. We can cover Maggie and uh, and Negan in one sentence. Maggie is mad at Negan, and Negan is mad at Maggie, and they go to a house, and they sit at the house, and they talk about whether or not they should leave the house, and then Gabriel shows up at the end. Kinda. Although there's a, a bit at the end where Maggie and Negan give each other a look, and it's like, oh God, please do not turn them into some sort of couple. I don't know. I don't know if I felt that from them. He's going to start singing a white snake song to her, and then they're going to make sweet love in a gut pile. I, so. I feel the, I feel bad saying this, and I'm going to just have to just say it, and then you can, you can rip on me for using the words, but I have to say it. We have to trust the good taste of the Walking Dead writers. They haven't gone that far astray to where they put Negan and and um, um okay. I mean, I it's a rare thing I'm going to say to you, Dustin. This is a very rare thing. I admire your optimism. <laughs> yes, that is a rare that is rare for for someone to say to me. I'm a little tired of the Negan and Maggie thing, which has gone on for five episodes this season. Yes. Having Maggie forgive Negan, I don't think is something I'm necessarily wanting either. He's like, Uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out why you haven't put me down. And she's like, I keep asking my questions to self every day. (laughs) So Maggie has realized that Negan is useful. Right. And that's that's Negan's saving grace. Okay. He's horrid and he's useful. Therefore, that's why she she hasn't just killed him. Uh, But they haven't been harping on useful with him recently. They've just been they've been they've been going with right. 
like Maggie is making bad decisions and dangerous decisions, and Negan is the one who is like what are you doing? Saying, saying the right things. Yeah. Well, we well we can't wait any longer. We've got the food. Let's go back with the food we got. There's one thing that everyone in management despises, and that is uh, that is uh, people who are smarter than they are, because. <laughs> Then they rely on subservience, which is what Maggie is doing. She's wanting Negan to be subservient, but he's he's like, the shit you're doing does not make sense. Right. And uh, the more she realizes that, the more she relies on Negan to tell her. Again, he turns out to be very, very useful. And whether it's useful as being a stabby person or useful in being a voice of reason in this particular case. Look, Maggie... What Maggie is trying to do is good. I mean, she's not she's not doing this out of a bad goal. I mean, her intent is, is fine, but Negan's a pragmatist, and that has made Negan survive this long. But quite frankly, this whole bit with the two of them on their own and this sort of, why, why haven't you killed me? I don't know. Why haven't you killed me? I don't know. I'm, it's getting a little... Boring, old, old, and stupid. Yes, um, I, and and quite frankly, I don't want them to become pals. They're never going to be pals. But I want there to be some sort of okay. Here is the new status quo. Let's move on with the story. You know. Well, I mean, they do need. To, I mean, Negan has to say sorry at least. You know, say I was trying to do something that required me to be this person, and I regret that now. Can you please forgive me, Maggie, for killing the love of your life? And he'll, he, all he has to say is that, and then we can get on with the getting on. I just don't see him saying, will you I forgive me? I, I, I don't can, I, I can see that. him apologizing. <laughs> I can see him apologizing, but I, could, I would not see him ask for forgiveness. I think he's too much of a realist to ever think that she would forgive him or to think that he deserves to be forgiven. Maybe Gabriel, when they're in the house, well, while they're waiting, he'll, you know, get them to do what Jesus would do. Or it'll be a Vegas wedding. One of the two. Um, uh, <laughs> like I said, there do, you, was a, do you take this lovely woman? That's there was just too self. much of a long lingering glance between the two of them tonight for my tastes. But yes, that's the entire storyline there with Maggie and Negan. And the Judith storyline isn't much longer. Um, Judith uh, sees a bunch of idiot children who should have died earlier in the apocalypse based on their behavior here because they're taunting a child walker through the fence who is, uh, by the way, um, Negan's son. That's actually... Uh, um, oh, the the actor? Yeah, that's his, that's his kid. Um, well, I mean, okay, so we also... The walls at Alexandria are falling down. They're falling apart. The whole place is falling apart. And there's not any food... And walkers are starting to break through the walls and stuff. And we start with what I thought was kind of a funny scene. Um, Gabe wakes up. It's Gabe, right? Oh. Gabe, the big guy. Oh, uh, Gary. 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 Jerry. Herschel. Jerry, like as in Tom and Jerry. Uh, Jerry, oh. he's the big guy. He's the big right. guy from the kingdom. He's, he's, been, he's always Jerry. What is I just couldn't remember. I could, it's been a while. I couldn't remember. I missed the whole kingdom. 
I didn't see most of that. The it's only Harry, episode- he's big and sweet and lovable until he's not. And in this episode, he reaches a bit of the not. Yeah, he yeah. Sure does. Sure I does. hate when that when they do this on the show. It's the same fucking thing every time it happens, too. It's like, don't do something you're gonna regret and you know, try to adhere to your moral ground. And well, but see, here's the thing, Curtis. They never like they never this is never characters that that go on these like little like psycho jaunts that are that should be the character that goes on the psycho jaunt. It's always somebody like Aaron and and Jerry who are pretty much just good guys and it's like now we've gone crazy. Now we're gonna torture a guy feed him to the walker when that's never been our our way we do stuff ever. Yeah, because so Judith. Well, the, it right. starts off in Alexandria where we get Jerry seeing the walk, a walkers breaking through the wall and in Alexandria where they have apparently killed some guy in the middle of this open space because apparently he was, I don't know, taking a nap or something. Yep, uh, Alexandria loses another extra. Standing there staring at the moon going, I wonder how that got up there. And then he was eaten to death. <laughs> <laughs> and, How'd and, that big old thing get up there? And Why is it so so yellow so they fight off the walkers and they get the the wall back up and there's a hole in the wall uh just the right height for little child walker to be sticking his little hands through and these little idiot children come along and they're putting their hands close to the walker to see if they can not get bit or some stupid game and where are the grown adults while all this is happening ain't nobody walking around patching holes in the wall come on well, we don't see really the good chunk of the stuff with the kids is no adults are around, which seems, again, the walls are about to fall down. Let's right. let the children wander about. It seems like a good plan, a very sensible plan. And uh, so Judith decides that these idiot kids are being idiots. Right. And so she goes there to tell him and, and the biggest one pushes her down. And he's like, don't bother me, none. And Judith jumps up with her samurai sword and like sticks it under his chin. Well, you talk shit on her mom. Oh, right. No wonder your mom abandoned you. And she's like, it's on now, Donkey Kong. And apparently these children have not met Judith before because I was pretty sure that everyone was aware that Judith carries both a gun and a (laughs) sword. But apparently they were just like, hey, who's this new girl we've never seen before? Oh, wait. Right. And so they're terribly surprised when she pulls out his sword and goes, come get some. And he's like, I, I, I do not wish to have any some. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any some. <laughs> Please, I would rather not have something. And uh, here's, here's the, the, the uh, uh, last time on Walking Dead. And then we get that scene where uh, Judas got the knife or the sword to that guy's neck. And he's like, you stay away from me. And, uh, uh, he doesn't talk like that. He talks like, you stay away from me. Cause he's a boy. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and then, then first thing in that episode, it's going to be her murdering the balls off of him and trying to cover up her crime. <laughs> no, we've had murderers talks before. I think that if that kid comes back, it's either going to be, she's going to save his life. Oh, or... she'll definitely save his life. Yeah. Make him feel like a tool. Yeah. And be like, I don't owe you for this. Right. God, I hate that I'm quoting the next episode without seeing it. It's hard. Well, here's the thing that I find very irritating. Again, 
like I said earlier, there is no way in hell that this child who was maybe 13. So using using the 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 Judith exchange, we know <laughs> that this show that she's around nine years old. So he was maybe two or three when the end of the world happened. Yeah. There's He's grown up in this world. The yeah. grown-ups would be like, hey, man, you remember Freezer Pops? They were great. And all the kids are like, what the fuck is a freezer? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way that it explains these kids being completely stupid is if they are part of the original crop of Alexandria kids who were very naive. Mm-hmm. But the last yeah. several episodes... But they've of- been through, like... Right. Exactly that. Wars. Exactly that. At this point, if they're if he's dumb, if these kids are dumb enough to get eaten by Walker children, then everyone's just look at them and go, "Well, well, okay, yeah, too bad we raised an idiot, Bonnie." <laughs> at the at the end yeah. of the episode, Sorry, Bonnie, your kids are so stupid. Mistakes. Yeah, we made some mistakes. Yeah, mistakes were made. Well, um, well, she's threatened, and then she sees that she goes later. We catch up with her again. And she's coming home, and she finds that a uh, 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 tangible piece of memory, memorabilia that she that she uh, um, loved, had been vandalized. And so, kind of the rest of her story arc is um, her dealing with this cruelty, and then having someone very kind come and make her feel okay. Which I thought, I thought was actually kind of lovely. But um, the walls still need fixed. What are they doing? To, what are they right. doing sitting around? Where'd they find 10-year-old fucking wood glue? Look, um, I knew it was in here. Really? Really. I suppose they could make some animal glue out of the horse hide. They could do that. That's possible. But rabbit skin glue is really, really good. If you can get a rabbit and they can't get rabbits, clearly. The the trying to actually again we come back to the whole problem with if you ever start thinking about what the world of the Walking Dead is going to be like at this point with all the things that have expired at this point uh-huh. they finally oh, address the gasoline problem they finally address the gasoline problem the glue thing is just one more example of everything falls apart at this point folks none of these things are going to exist mm-hmm. but. That's basically Judas's storyline, and so there's two down. We've only got two more left to go. Yeah, that's 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 it. Who do, who All sits right. down on the porch and talks to her and is real nice? Rosita. Rosita, right? That good job, Rosita. That was a great scene. Well, you got to give something for Rosita to do at this point, and certainly Judith needs a line every now and again. So that's why we yes. got this. Yeah, and I kind of have to. I got to try to stop being kind of mad when they have nice moments, you know. Because I don't know, it says more about me than the show that <laughs> that it annoys me that there's nice moments. <laughs> Problem is, is that The Walking Dead is a history of giving you a nice little hope spot moment, and then they crush it. Oh yeah, they make you and care about someone, and then they just stab. Yeah. Which is, you know, why it makes you angry when people are nice on the show because you know what's coming. Every time Jerry is on an episode, I get worried. Oh, yeah, because he's a big, sweet guy, except in this episode where he and Aaron drink the vengeance Kool-Aid. Okay, in fairness, in fairness, they go to Hilltop, which, of course, fell during the the Walker War, the the Whisperer War. 
trying to find blacksmithing tools, whatever they can get that wasn't burned up in the fire. Right. And they discover that there are some whispers, ex, I guess ex-whispers, living at Hilltop now. now. Yeah, they're called normal talkers. <laughs> Those of us who speak lowly. <laughs> now they're just poor old dumb homelesses. <laughs> who are um, very... Um, not given a warm greeting by Aaron and Jerry. Carol is there and Lydia. Lydia is there, right. So Aaron decides he wants to go all full on Inquisition on this guy. And no one expects that. People rarely expect the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I don't think he's even Spanish. Though. He looks like a Viking type. Right. Well, no, the thing definitely is no one expects the Viking Inquisition. That's. Right. The thing that irritates me about stuff like this is when they they don't even go like do they even have like a list of character traits when they go to write these episodes like how are they reckoning are they they're just using the fact that he's scared of failure or trying to protect his kid as a reason to completely change the character we've known for six years for this one episode Sometimes sometimes there's an objective that works with an actor better than others, so they encourage that in the writing. And this, the stakes that he has placed on himself to protect his daughter is something worth riding out, I think. I think all of this is in service of getting Carol to say, you've gone too far, take it from me, I would know. Okay, yeah. That uh, does happen. Yeah, um, because ugh, they got zombie on a stick. and uh, <laughs> It's on antlers. It's on antlers. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. What a that. weird use for antlers. But, you know, I'll put that on the list of uses for antlers. And they're using zombie on the antler stick to threaten him. And Aaron, Aaron, again, this is, just isn't. This is out of character, guys. I'm sorry, writers. This is not how you do this. He lets the walker bite the guy. Okay, so yes, this is a show where you have a lot of unredeemable villains, right? We've seen it again and again. This is also a show where the villains actually end up on your side sometimes. And then you end up becoming part of the family. Well, let's see. A little guy named Daryl actually started off as a somewhat antagonist in this show. Back when he was with his brother Merle. They were not on Rick's side. And you um, know what? He hasn't changed at all. Any stranger, still, he's still a threatening presence. Yeah. You know, same as, same as when we first met him, right? And then now uh, we see what he's like when he's protecting people. They're doing it with Negan, too, obviously, which is, you know... Yeah. Right. But, and the fact that, that Aaron is was the character who was the uh one who brought people in to the community is one of the reasons that this doesn't work. They're they're doing using wrestling rules where they turn the heel to a face and then back again and then forth again for the entirety of Majestic Machismo's career or who whatever the wrestler is. I don't that would be my name if I were a wrestler. Majestic Machismo? Yes. And I would, and they just call me Eminem 
And when my music would play, it'd be like Eminem. And then I there'd be candy that shoots out into the <laughs> I had it all mapped out. It was gonna be a great career. But alas, I'm not good at anything like that. And also you don't like being uh uh being thrown about. I did a movie with I did let's not. It's wrestling's fun. But oh, it help. Um anyways, uh I think that's what they're doing with some of these characters. But I mean Aaron is standing right next to Lydia. She is the child of Alpha. Uh-huh. Aaron is the one who was like you can be better, you can be more. And first, I mean, okay, so they're supposed to be, you know, I'm angry. This is the place that was good and then it was destroyed and you people are bad people. And we get it. But I really think it is just all there to have Carol go, don't do something you're going to regret. I know from whence I speak. Um, have you not watched the previous seasons involving me? I tend to get murdery when things so, don't go my in, way. In a move that I didn't see coming. Uh, he lets the zombie bite the dude he's the, the whisperer that he's interrogating, and then he's like, Okay, you won't talk. How about I cut you off your hand and stop the infection if you tell me what we need to know? And that's when Carol kills the zombie so that she can say, Stop it, stop it some more. Uh, every character should have been like, oh, no, we did bad. And that was probably what we wanted to do, but whatever. At no point is Walker on a stick a good route to go down. No. So they all, well, I'm, I'm not sure. They don't, they look around guiltily, but they don't really ever say something like, I don't know, I'm sorry. But the guy who had his hand chopped off for all of this, um, and admittedly, he did pull a knife earlier. Yes. So, I mean, he's not but, completely blameless here, but um, he's like, oh, hey, um, oh, he says, uh, you, you don't think we can change, do you? And they're like, well, probably not. And he's like, yeah, well, we can. And I'm going to prove it because if we just actually talked about any of this earlier in the episode, you would have known because I would have told you that there was another person that you were looking for out in the woods. And who is this person? It's Connie. So, Curtis, you did not see this episode, so we'll give you a very brief recap. Connie, uh, there was a whole group that came in. A big, uh, a big fat singer guy uh, who, you know, how you stay fat in the zombie apocalypse, I'll never figure out. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, a good agent, that's how. Right. <laughs> and then um, the the lawyer lady who's in who's in the Commonwealth right now, her and her girlfriend who is this badass tattooed uh, lady, and uh, and then Connie who is deaf and her little sister who is also starting to go deaf. They all arrived together as a little group, and they all became new characters. Well, when Carol went crazy the most recent time and was like, I'll do anything I can to destroy Alpha. Uh, oh, oh, and Connie and Daryl started becoming close. Like they had flirtiness. They were friendly. And, you and, know, and the show handled it really pretty well because it wasn't like they, they were immediately in love or anything like that. It was these two are connecting. 
she, you know, she would, she communicated by writing notes. Yeah. And so you would get this sort of interesting kind of dynamic between Daryl, who doesn't talk a lot and a woman who can only communicate through writing. And it was just, it, it worked pretty well. I thought it was, it was good chemistry between yeah. the two of them. And uh, he was learning sign language and they were, and so then they found out where Alpha was keeping this huge herd of walkers in this cave. So they went to this cave to destroy, like to try to destroy the walkers and Carol made some bad decisions and it ended up where Connie was separated from the rest of the group uh, and presumed chomped upon. But in the last episode of last season, it showed all of the walkers in the cave. And it, we've talked about this before since, since you probably heard us talk about it. Uh, it showed Connie in the group of walkers and she had her eyes closed. And when she opened her eyes, it was obvious that even though she was covered in goo and like standing with the herd of walkers, that she was still alive. And so we've been waiting for this payoff of Connie still being alive for the last six or so episodes. Well, they they apparently uh, they're either being sent into the lion's den, or they're going to find Connie. So that's where we leave our our not so heroic group of people. They riding away from hilltop as the surviving whispers look at them and go, "You bastards." and our heroes are just like we're bad people and they leave so and they're gonna go look for connie uh in the morning because it's gonna get dark yeah yeah sophia heard that several times i was gonna say there's a little lost girl in the woods we're never gonna see her again We can't go. It's getting dark. There'll be a map. It'll be across the hood of a car. They'll talk about the search. We'll never see them. And they'll find Connie in the barn. <laughs> well, I think the next next episode, we saw a little bit of the preview. The next episode is a Connie episode. Right. So hopefully we will not, it will not end in a barn. Barns are not good places in the world of The mm-hmm. Walking Dead. So... Finally, we move on to the Commonwealth and the great Let's Fool Eugene with our not really who she says she is person. Took him all of five minutes to fall for that, to set himself right up. Yeah. Uh, We do actually get a glimpse of uh, the actual Stephanie has made an appearance in this episode. She is the young lady who has gets the ice cream before the fake Stephanie does. She's what is it? So she says, uh, he asks Eugene asks if that's Rocky road, I think. Yeah. Um, that's the real Stephanie. Because I believe when they talked about their favorite ice cream, she said hers is Rocky road. Right. Um, so that's the actress who plays the real Stephanie. And of course, clearly this is the fake Stephanie. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, fake Stephanie didn't order Rocky Road. She ordered some sort of cherry strawberry thing. Which apparently was very tasty. And also yeah. very telling that she's not who she says she is. Oh. But she's but she's a but she's a hot librarian, so Eugene is just like hubba, 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 hubba. She's, a, she's a pretty girl who, who likes me and um I think that's very nice. Yeah, she said things to me and I left when she said things to you. 
unfortunately um, very very exceptional creature of exquisite beauty there you go very nice thank you who promptly leads him into a trap right so Eugene wants to communicate back with Alexandria but there's you have to ask permission and that apparently well not only and, and not only that but they told everybody when they got there that they were not from another community right so there's the whole lying thing but first, they have to sit through a VHS introductory video. Oh, it was funny. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking it is very, very clear that all editors died in the zombie apocalypse. The mm-hmm. editors were the first to go to. Oh, man, I wanted to star wipe so bad. I mean, it's oh, we found was... this old video toaster software. Let's plug it into this uh, Commodore 64. Folks. When The Walking Dead started, Final Cut existed. Sony Vegas was around. Adobe was actually making Premiere at this point. There were clearly better editing softwares out there, folks. But this is clearly. But they would go on. They would work with VHS. I don't think so. Oh, I'm sure they would. It's it's uh, it's meant to really kind of showcase the sort of semi. If you get the correct adapters for your VGA ports, you can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, it, it's centered around this character, this guy. Um, he's one of the representatives of Alexandria. And he is straight out of the, I have a lovely car. I will sell <laughs> you from my perfectly legal and completely reputable car lot. Um, right. He's, he's, he's got that whole smarmy thing. He's a little too cheerful. He's a little too smiley. He's immediately untrustworthy. He's and like, there's a lawyer out here, and uh, uh, Rodney D. Young, I think, is his name. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, Rodney so, D. Young. So I grew and up there, in Wichita, There's another Kansas. one who rides a bull in all his commercials, you know. You guys, he, he, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and the Rodney D. Young commercials were things that I have seen since I was in junior high. (laughs) I am not in junior high or high school or college. I am 51 years old. I'm it's the law firm. I'm not even sure if Rodney is still alive. (laughs) My favorite was always Brown and Crouppen. Have you been injured in a car accident? Try calling the jungle. Oh, Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. The jungle guy. You guys need to Google this stuff if you're not, if you're not from the Kansas City area or I guess Western Kansas. So they are led into a trap. Although Princess does get to uh, to hit on what's his name and to eat some ice cream. Yeah, which I think it makes both things worth it. She flirts with our big uh, security guy. <laughs> it is in a scene that I thought was really cute. It was. She was being adorable. Yes. I bet she would have taken that the whole distance too, man. They're not. They're. They're not dead yet. Well, they haven't showered yet either. None of them. Right. That was the funniest thing about uh, about this group was like, here they are looking post-apocalyptic on the set of like, uh, like Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It totally reminded me of Gil- Gilmore Girls Village or wherever they live. It, well, yes, it's very idyllic, and it's and a little it's kind way of on the too nose. idyllic. It's, well, you know, you get the flashbacks to like the village from the prisoner, um, <laughs> where things are a little too nice and clean. 
But the Commonwealth is a very strange place, clearly, already. But we also get Yumiko gets to meet her brother. Find She finds her brother. Yeah. And uh, he apparently is very happy as a baker now. And that apparently was not what he was doing in the before times. But he seems happy. And he says, let me be happy. And she's like, well, okay. Yeah, that was pretty much it between them two. You know, it was like, hey, glad to see you. Clearly, our complicated relationship is keeping us from being truly happy in one another's presence. Right. And yeah, you know, there's they got history. Look forward to learning more about it. If I hadn't have already should have. No, we don't know anything about them. Yeah, I don't think I'm trying to think if she'd ever talked about her brother before. And I don't think she had. If she did, it was super in passing. I mean, it wasn't yeah. anything in depth. Although we do get a nice little moment where of, of shock where he drops the cake and it splatters on the floor and it's very, you know, dramatic. And his boss didn't say, hey, the Clyde Feldman wedding's waiting for that cake. <laughs> What's your problem? The Clyde Feldman. That, that was a Feldman cake that you just dropped. <laughs> But when when uh, Eugene and company are captured using the radio, they get a little bit of a signal out to Alexandria, just enough to basically prove their guilt. Right. But then that Rodney D. Young guy comes and he's like, hey, no, they don't. We're not there. We're taking them to, to somebody bigger than you, bigger than both of us. And the little little bureaucrats like, um, but there are there are rules. And he's like, um, yeah, okay, so we're just going to let him go. <laughs> it's like, no, they're not. No. So Stephanie, no. apparently, Stephanie, air quotes, Stephanie, because it's, you know, she's sexy librarian is not not on their side. Um, apparently called in a favor. And this is supposed to be somehow they're going to get out of being exiled. This is all 100% a setup. Oh, yeah. I mean, they introduced this girl as a plant into their group, and everything that has happened since then has been a setup. I mean, the episode moves the story along, but this is another episode where you could have cut out all, you could cut out the Maggie and Negan stuff, and it wouldn't have damaged the episode at all. They've got 19 storylines, so they have to do something. Yeah, they have to move along. They've got too many things going on, and, and, I guess they don't want to do that thing that they used to do where it's like, we're going to spend five episodes with this group getting things taken care of. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, this whole Negan Maggie thing is basically like filler because I doubt seriously she's going to end up killing him in the last few episodes of the show. I think that'd be brilliant or somebody else does, you know, he's going to die. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Last episode, Harry D. Morgan's going to die because they need him that long for ratings. Possibly. I mean, I will. We'll see. But I'm skeptical. I don't know how the books end. Um, He's not addressed. The books do a 10-year time jump. And, like, basically the world is starting over. and, And there are all these communities. And it's Carl going through... And, like, talking to all the different, like, old cast that's still alive. He talks to a bunch of different people and runs into Herschel Jr., who is, like, a a, a walker salesman or something. And yeah. uh, 
he kills the, his walkers and they have a little tip about it. And then, um, and then it ends basically. There's no, it's just like to show that the world has moved on and, and Negan is not mentioned or seen at all. Well, he's mentioned in the sense that he, Carl basically says that he still sees him from time to time. That's about it. Okay. Well, um, in this show, it's, there's going to be a, uh, the military folks are going to try to take down, uh, the Commonwealth because they all have to end in the same place. Right. In, in my opinion, they're going to all converge upon Alexandria and there's going to be a big fight and all the people from, from the world beyond are going to show up, all those obnoxious teenagers and, uh, and and Morgan and and his group are going to show up from the irradiated wastes that is Texas, and they're just all going to be like, "What's up?" And then then Rodney Dangerfield is going to pop out of the cake, and he's going to be like, "Hey, everybody, let's all get laid." And then there's going to be like a saxophone player on top of a Cadillac. Oh and, yeah, uh, will it be the saxophone player from the Lost Boys? Because He's 72 years old now. He's still playing saxophone, though. Without he's a doing shirt. it without a shirt. And yeah, he is. He's still doing it without a shirt because he's still oh, there. Uh, uh, fun digression, uh, because I'm done talking about the show. Uh, I just finished Yours Cruelly, Elvira by Cassandra Peterson. Yeah. Uh, that book is very good. I would recommend it to anyone who would want to know about the the world and the, the the things that made Elvira what she is. Uh, this is not a book about Elvira. This is a book about Cassandra Peterson. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is so it's so interesting to to see the, the behind the scenes life of someone who created such an iconic character. It's just very interesting. Uh, what was the deal with her and Wilt Chamberlain? Um, well, they were friends for decades. And, uh, and he met her. They met when she was an underage, topless showgirl in, in, uh, Las Vegas. She was in a show called Lay Girls in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, didn't even finish with the French. They were just like, Lay. Girls. That oh, but this is back in the sixties. Cassandra Peterson did not become Elvira until she was thirty. Yeah. Uh, so this is back in the sixties, and she was a seventeen-year-old girl, and her and her parents were on vacation and stopped in Las Las Vegas, and were at a show, and this producer came up and said, "This girl's beautiful. We want her to be in the show," and they're like, "Well, she can't. She's only 17. And they were like, and it's a nude show. It's a topless show. And, uh, so Cassandra ended up having to beg her parents to allow her to do it. And so her first job in show, show business was at, as a topless showgirl in Las Vegas at 17 years old. And she met Will Chamberlain at that time. And they became, they were passing acquaintances for, for many years. And one night they were, she was at his house and he was showing her around. And in the book, she says that he, like, there was always like a little flirtation, but on his point, you know, cause he was like a famous ladies man. And, uh, and she always kind of blew it off. And every time she, she would blow it off, 
he would he would say, you know, okay, whatever. Like he wouldn't like try and pursue her, pursue her. Uh, and one night they were at a party at his house, and he asked if she wanted to see some of his old basketball jerseys that he kept in this special closet. And so she's like, yeah, sure. And they went in there together and uh, he sexually assaulted her in the closet. Wow. And then uh, according to the book, when he was done, he looked at her and said, see, that wasn't so bad. And just left. Dang, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you listen. You read that book. Um, I'll probably be checking that out eventually myself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly what I want to check out. Big fan of that Elvira. Yes, sir. All right. So that's basically what happens on this episode of The Walking Dead. Next week, we dive back into the wonderful world of Connie and apparently also a little bit into the horror side of things again. The first couple episodes of this season leaned into the horror, and it looks like we're going to basically be in a haunted house, essentially. Next episode. Fun. With Connie and the guy that Michonne met when she was leaving. The guy who went out, she went out to the island with him. It was supposed really? to be that's the guy, it's the same guy. So we're getting our we're getting a character that, that Michonne dealt with a couple of seasons ago now, um, looping into this into this story. So um hopefully we'll get a reunion between Connie and Daryl, although Daryl is off with the religious crazy soldiers so that'll be fun i'm sure <laughs> that's gonna be a, a one of those great love triangle moments where they all meet up together and it's gonna be like i'm the deaf lady well i'm the lady with the dog and uh <sighs> she's not gonna live leah is gonna end up getting killed by pope because pope is a crazy person and leah is She's gonna it's gonna turn out that she still loves Daryl and Pope can't allow this. It's gonna be dumb. I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not hoping for a good ending there. Although I really do appreciate the fact Lynn Collins is a fantastic actress. I'm glad to see her on the show, but I wish she was playing a different part. But anyway. So that's what's going on in this episode. I didn't find it boring, but I also wasn't particularly excited about anything in it. Yeah. It moves the story forward. So Yes. But we'll have to see where it takes us next. If you agree with us, fantastic. If you don't, that's fantastic as well. You can let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on various podcast platforms. We would love to hear from you guys. You can leave us a comment. You can leave us a rating. Ratings are good. Good ratings are better, of course. If you enjoy the show, give us a nice high rating. Uh, that stuff really does help, folks. Every podcast person always tells you that because it's true. It's all a numbers. The algorithm. The algorithm. The dreaded algorithm. It is a truth. So, Liam, if you're enjoying the show, um, let us know. We'd appreciate it. And we will do this again. Thank you, Dustin. <sighs> thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>